pinstripes if you ain't got a clue Welcome to the second to last episode of season one of How We Bounce Back. Today we have a unique episode where my fiance Rosemary Garcia will be the host and will interview me. This week's episode is only available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as there will be no video version for episode 10. Of course, in an effort to keep a spotlight on the guests and giving our team a chance to unplug and spend more time with our families. But before we get started, I want to give a shout out to some of the other podcasts, some of the people that I've admired in the second half of the year, some of the people that are closest to me, that hold dear and close to my heart. I want to start off, of course, with Every Day is Sunday. Shout out to BDOT, BJ, Mikey Edwards. Yo, love your show. Feels like I'm in the living room with you guys, like I've always said. Keep it up. I know you guys are going into season four, and you guys really have driven some lighthearted conversation during this really trying time. Shout out to It's Your World Podcast by Jordan Brown. Shout out to Player One Podcast by my man's Hollywood Champa. Shout out to C4 Explosive Training by Austin Brown. Shout out to Salute Blah, Salute Strength. Shout out to Devin and Ashley, the Edwards, on their wedding this year. Shout out to my cousin Andrew. He got big plans with his new business coming next year. A shout out especially to all nine guests for season one. Austin Brown, to Christina Gallardo, Christian Sosa, Cameron Nash, Gabby Garcia, Kelvin Lewis, Clarice Licklick, Olivia Vanway, my cousin Bjorn Reloda. Thank you so much. What an amazing season. We're all going to do this again. Shout out to Mom Garcia. Birthday last week. Happy belated. Shout out to Gabby. Shout out to Dad Garcia and the whole Garcia family. Shout out to my mom, dad, my brother Jeff. Anyhow, I'd like to turn it over to our host, the most beautiful, strong, and amazing woman I have ever met in my life, the greatest, Rosemary Garcia. Hey everyone, I don't know about y'all, but I think James was just trying to sweet talk me to make me go light on him during this episode. (laughs) But I'm excited to be here and ready to challenge James to see if he can handle his own questions he's been asking everyone else all season. I'm going to push him a bit, but all with the goal of providing you guys uplifting stories, messages, and smiles before we close out this season. Hope you're all ready for it. I do have to say, after listening to all of your shows, I notice that the audio is kind of off sometimes. I'm just like, he's over here telling me like, oh, what sounds better? And I tell him, oh, I think the Zoom audio sounds better. Babe, do you need me to buy you a new podcast mic for Christmas? (laughs) I think he got this on like Amazon for like thirty dollars, y'all. I don't, I, I don't know his like actual intentions. Oh my god! All right, so listen, I've been asked several times by friends, you know, like, hey, you know. Great job on the show, but damn, like, do you need a new podcast, Mike? I swear that is, like, probably the number one question I've probably gotten this season. I mean, Charles mentioned that. Tina, I know we were at the drive-thru rave with, uh, who did we go see that? Cascade. Cascade. Yeah, yeah, and she's like, you know, 
great show, but you know, I can't even hear what you're saying. <laughs> so like, you know, I, I get it. And you know, this it's detail, right? You know, a lot of, we want to talk about detail specifics, you know, like, and, um, I was taking a New York film Academy class and I heard, or, or not, I heard uh, what I learned in the class is that if you have the styrofoam around the microphone, it will muffle the mic. And I'm like, and I told, uh, Bjorn Relo to this too. And he did, he didn't even know that. And I was like, what? And that styrofoam is there just in case if you're having, um, the microphone outside to block out the wind, right? Block out a lot of background noise, but it's not needed when you're inside, or in the house or whatever. So that was already muffling my voice. And I had that for the first three episodes where we were pre-recording. The first weekend we had Christian, Kalu, and AB. So I had the styrofoam around to go ahead and look back and watch the episode. And then secondly, the other thing that I did not do is simply talk into the microphone. They literally like I'm um when I'm talking away, I'm looking at the lot. Sometimes the microphone wasn't even angled correctly. So you know, that's, that's my fault. You know, I should, should have probably, you know, kind of, uh, reviewed the, like things. September was a busy, busy ass month. You know, I was, I was doing, I was on a new client full-time salary job, you know, on world market, you know, I lead a team of five there, you know, and then after that, in between that, and I, Aaron, if you hear this, you're going to hate me, but I definitely took classes in between that. Take took, took a producing class in New York Film Academy. So I'm switching in and out, literally nonstop classes and meetings from like 8 a.m. all the way to 2 p.m. It's a sprint. I literally am just scrapping for lunch at 2 p.m. And then I got to do the homework and I got to do uh, the emails would work. And then on top of that is preparing for the show on the weekend. So doing the interview. So it was Oh man, if I had enough time to just like listen through the episodes, this wouldn't have been a problem. Totally my fault. Uh, this is me just coming from honesty, which some of you uh, struggle to do. So I'm just being honest right now. And you can see in Bjorn's episode, this was all solved. So <laughs> it wasn't the mic, babe. You know, not need to buy me a new podcast uh, for Christmas, but you can buy me an iMac, you know, and we can do some vi- better video editing. So do you all know that the iMac costs? three thousand (laughs) dollars i'm just like that could just be a payment towards our wedding savings but james is like oh but i need to do some video editing so i'm like all right no babe definitely keep that three thousand in there like you know we definitely need have a lot of things that we're planning for obviously beyond the wedding so you know this is a this relationship is about us so i you know i'll I'll figure out a way to get that uh imac i'll uh, i'll probably rob a bank or something so all right, so let's switch it off topic of podcasts and ask a few general questions before we dive into those deeper questions. I feel like I need to get some producer credits. You know, I feel like James says he's giving me producer credits, but I don't really know where those credits are. It's oh, almost like wow. in in his mind. And so I'm just saying, y'all, like these questions came, we were on a cross country drive and I was panicked because I was here in the car with the love of my life. And I'm like, what the hell am I going to talk to him about for 13 hours? You know, you guys like, you know, it's real. You love that person beyond anything. But then when you're going to be in a car with them for like 13 plus hours, you start thinking about 
what am I going to ask them? <laughs> like, what am I going to talk about? Because me, I fall asleep immediately in a car. But I know with James, I got to be awake and alert. And I need to keep him constantly thinking about something. And so the questions need to come. And so Google was my best friend. So I really appreciate that I'm seeing some of these questions that we had on our cross-country drive pop up in this podcast. Okay. So let's ask one of these questions. Which top three friends do you look up to the most? All right. That, now I understand when I give people difficult questions like this where there can be a pause and whatnot. I definitely help you guys when I edit the pause out. But, yeah, I think I think uh, these three people know that I certainly look up to them. You know, and it's, it's longevity, right? You know, in, in life, you know, um, you... And you feel like yeah, it's more of like you're not even related to these uh, to these friends, but like they they could be your family because it's been you know it's been years and years they've seen you through your development your your ups and downs like literally when you were vulnerable I guess in in a sense literally when you were at your highs you know literally you know when you were embarrassed or that you know they they know how to clown you they know how to hold you up you know they're the, you know the the these people definitely you know speak to most of me and i would consider them all you know a bigger brother because i i never had one you know and so the first one obviously i want to shout out is awesome brown you know um there's a reason why he's episode one for this show there's a reason why that you know we we have an inside joke about alter since like you know Back in the day, you know, there's an inside joke of us calling each other sir all the time. You know, there's so many inside jokes. Known him, this man, since 2002. 2002, that's 18 years. 18 years of knowing this fool, of, of just clowning each other, of just, you know, like, go, like so many different, like, friends and different, like, uh, you know, paths that we've crossed and we're still there together. So many parties that we got in trouble you know, the football team, you know, we got the chin strap, we got the falling through the ice, you know, we got, we got literally packing my Corolla with like 20 people, you know, we got, we got so many, we got, we got one where Austin thinks we left him at the party, but I guess he just got singled out, you know, like there's just, you know, there's so, so many memories, you know, we, we went to college, like sort of in like a sort of a like close, not close, but like similar region where you're going a little bit like in the central part, like West Virginia and Ohio. So we always cross each other's paths, like when we were going to school, going to college, you know, uh, me visiting his friends, you know. Um, I didn't have that many friends at WU, to be honest. So he, you know, he, he still came over regardless, right? And, you know, um, and then living in D.C., he went to the NFL. It's like, you know, and then I was living in D.C. for a while and just all the vacations, all the good times from NOLO to New York, Santa Con to to his wedding, to Coachella, you know, we were all over, man, and, like, um, you know, I, I am so, I'm so honored to be his best friend, I feel like, you know, Mrs. Brown, Mr. Brown, they're, like, my, they're, like, my mom and dad, too, you know, I feel like, 
you know, there, there's just so many things that we've done and grown up together from like first driving, first girlfriend, sorry, babe, you know, just, uh, <laughs> you know, just, you know, um, everything after that, graduating college, you know, settling after college, getting our first jobs, you know, finding our way and finding the loves of our, of our lives, you know, and planning our weddings. And shout out to Colleen and Austin future baby future daughter you know we're, we're so excited for that day and i hope i hope to be with him um you know for uh you know with, with them me and rosemary for the rest of our lives and you know uh everything everything i had done in terms of like man or what what he had done for me let, let, let's 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 stick with that what what austin had done for me is that i always looked up to him in terms of you know just the social setting, the mannerisms, like, you know, he's just so, you know, he, he's ve- a very good people person, you know, very, no matter what it's a football teammate, whether it's like, you know, our, our, our classmates, whether it's like, you know, you know, uh, t- team jerk or, you know, <laughs> you know, the, uh, all, all them high school clicks, BBC, CC, all them, you know, Austin can just get along with anyone. And so I really admired him. I looked up to him on his, uh, social skills and, and whatnot. Um, in terms, uh, and, and actually leadership skills too. Uh, you know, he, he's a natural public speaker since him winning Wolf of the Year back in middle school, you know, so I really wasn't all of that. Um, the second person I want to shout out is Mr. Charles Zhao. I think we uh, we all all you know he's not a bigger brother. You know we were we were the token Asian brothers back in high school. Um, you know e- ever since that, you know I feel like with Charles living in D.C., him and going to UVA, I just really looked up to him in terms of success. You know, I was seeing someone so successful as him as you know uh you know investment banker after college but just like just ratchet as fuck on the side and just you know oh, we're just listening to trap music just acting like fools you know uh, i probably shouldn't say anymore or else i'm definitely gonna get in trouble but like you know we that like you know we had so many great times but he was just accelerating and propelling himself so fast after college and traveling and everywhere and whatnot and still able to like you know uh, maintain himself uh, to a degree. Uh, you know, I definitely, I definitely feel like you know that's something I really uh, look up to, inspire to be. You know, I really am proud of him. He, you know, always wants to start first family. Shout out to first family. You know, I know he wanted to go to San Francisco and do a couple things. You know, I know he wants to do some more in New York. He's a big foodie. You know, show me a lot of good food restaurants. You know, shout out to Rose's Luxury. Shout out to Bubs and Pops. Shout out to everywhere else in D.C. Like, you know, Duke's Grocery, too. That burger. Like, that's all. Surfside. Well, no, Charles did not show me Surfside. But, you know, Charles showed me. And Pizza, he definitely showed me. Like, before and Pizza was really well known. You know that that's all, Charles. So really, really love you. You know, brother. Like you really are like an older brother to me, and I couldn't even thank you enough. A lot of people don't know Charles actually. You know, I, a lot of people do know this. Um, Charles allowed me to take a spot in the Dupont house, but a lot of people you don't know this. Had it not been for that, Rosemary and I would have never met. We met in that Dupont house towards the end of me living there. Me, Gilan, and Taylor when we moved out, we met. I met Rosemary about two months before I moved out. So had it not been for Charles asking me to live there, because he probably knew I could afford it. I mean, Brand USA, shout out to you all too. Very good salary. I come out of school. Um, you know, Charles, really, you know, thank you so much. That, like best years of my life found the love of my life 
you know, we're sit- I'm sitting right here across this room from her. And, you know, you're an older brother to me. I look up to you and everything you do, you know, I hope to hopefully uh, replicate and make you proud, man. And then the last one, which, you know, I think I, I said it in the last episode, Brian beat out Relota. You know, bro, like, uh, I feel like me and Jeff talked about it. Like, everything we do culturally as, uh, as, as people, like the music we listen to, how we dress, how we talk to people, the friends we make, the way we, you know, uh, were brought up at a younger age, you know, just from video games or what content we consume from dragon ball z to wrestling to you know everything in between to the nba to the shaq and kobe era like all everything with with that that's really probably rooted from what Dot had showed us and you know like i feel like you were always the life of the party you always lifted our family you definitely were always the loudest one in the room and you know i definitely hopefully amplified that voice even louder because people didn't think i'm loud all the time i got that from you and like you know i really Really uh, love your energy. I've never, it's rare that I've seen you upset, you know, and like, um, you know, I, I really, your, your, your happiness is unwavering all. And like, that's why so many people really, really uh, want to, want to be around you. So many people admire you and, you know, uh, I feel like if anyone, you know, Kuya, Brian, you know, I feel like, you know, if anyone really was my older brother since like back in the day, since I was a, a baby boy, it really was you. And so, you know, I uh, thank you, Queer Brian. I really hope to see you in a couple weeks. You know, it's been too long, but, you know, you'll always be Queer to me. You'll always be an older brother. And, you know, there's a lot more to come. I, you know, I hope uh, we we can join together for an episode in a later season. Or, you know, let me know if I can share a fourth spot and we can all laugh on every day of Sunday together. But love you so much, brother. I think what one of the things that I've definitely learned from you is the appreciation of friendships over the years. Because for me, and my, my closest friends know this, I'm very nomadic, right? Where it's like, I pick up and I start in a new city, wherever it is, and I just start my new life. And if you are close to me, then you are close to me and you will forever be close to me. And if you're not, then good luck trying to get into like my inner circle. And I think one thing that I've always loved seeing about you is that like, I don't know a lot of people that have close friends that are from like elementary school that grew up on the same block that went to like, I don't know, did sports and prom and all of those things together, right? I grew up in a very small town where it was like, good luck if you get out or you're going to be tracked in the same city. And so for me, it's very, it's very warming to see how close you are with all of your friends because it just reminds me about how deeply I should care about all of the friendships that have stuck with me because for maybe a lot of us that move around to different cities, we can easily forget about like the friends that will stay there. The ones that it doesn't matter how far you move, when you come back, it's like the friendship never changed. And I feel like anytime you talk about any of your friends, that is so true. It doesn't matter that you move to LA, you are still close with Austin, Devin, Charles. You'll always be so close. And I think that's what I absolutely love hearing because it doesn't matter the distance. You are so bonded by all of your shared experiences 
that makes me remember that's why I appreciate all of my friends my friends that know that no matter what happens in our crazy lives that when we're finally together we're gonna go back to how we were in high school where we were like or like in college where we're just like drinking it's like nothing has ever changed and so I I love your deep connection to to all the people that you mentioned I think it's amazing so, I feel like this has been on everyone's mind, but what has 2020 meant for you, and what has it meant for our relationship? I mean, I know we talk about it time and time again. I don't want it to be like uh, sort of like a tagline or slogan or cliche thing that 2020 is like, you know, you know a tough year, we'll... We are all in this together and whatnot. I know everyone hears it over and over again. Some people are feel like it's dragged out, right? I feel like what 2020 has meant for me is in terms of... It, it's, it, what 2020 has meant for me is a reset year. And it's really to appreciate the, the simple things in life. To really appreciate the most important things in life. To really appreciate our health first and foremost, right? You know, 2020 with COVID, I went through a, a, a tumor situation. So that's already compounding with the COVID situation that's happening. It's compounding with pushing back our, our, our wedding. And so, um, you know, I, I think just uh, resetting and appreciative of the little things, just being happy at home with our cats, babe, with, you know, just uh, our apartment in downtown LA, you know, just the food in the kitchen roof over our heads uh, you know be able to chill on the couch it's not like we went to war it's not like they're asking us to go do something uh where it's re- like literally putting ourselves in like legit physical harm's way they're asking us to sit on the couch at home and like that is such a comforting situation and so we should be appreciative of that and people are not appreciative of that and i and i get it it's hard for people that you know might be alone at home and whatnot or you know, it feel like, you know, the, and their jobs are affected too. Like, ha- of course, babe, if this something happened to our jobs this year, we would be talking about something totally different right now. But we're definitely very appreciative for our employers. You know, shout out to Merkel Alliance for really keeping us on board and really just keeping things stable. Otherwise, we, we, we don't know what could happen to us right now. You know, shout out to to you, Rosemary. Shout out to, you know, like what we've done in terms of keeping ourselves healthy. So, you know, I feel like 2020 as a whole is meant to reset us and ground us and really appreciate uh, the things that are most valuable. But what it has meant for our relationship is that, you know, no matter what happens at the end of the day is that, um, you know, I feel like um, we adjust and we adapt. We moved our wedding back. We're at home. You, you were at risk of losing a job at Alliance. You know, I could have been at risk at losing a job at Merkel when Fox left the contract, you know, um, and it, it, it tested us. It tried us, you know, we, at one point, you know, one of us was going to try to move home and like, you know, we're not going to let that happen. And so, you know, what, what, what is meant for our relationship? You know, we did the cross country drive and whatnot, you know, when, 
went through a lot and made some uh, career decisions. You know, I know you were propelling yourself in your career. You were definitely going into uh, your, you know, a last year with your cohort at with Broad, and like, you know, you're supposed to be in this travel uh, um, master's program, right? And so, you know, not getting that FaceTime and the public speaking and in, in front of uh, peers and just having to be confined in the guest room to do that is definitely been hard but like we're, we're in the comfort of our home and we're caring for each other we keep our energies up you know we keep like of course the cats keep us you know very happy at home like you know i think we just bonded more than other i think this is probably one of the happiest we've ever been probably the happiest we've ever been in our relationship the most mature there's no doubt the most mature we've ever been in our relationship i feel like um the healthiest that we've ever been you know we can't just sit home and just eat potato chips all day long even though i do eat some of these tortilla chips shout out to the artichoke and spinach dip like that that joint is pretty good but anyways like you know i feel like um we got healthier you did the living room workouts you don't have to worry about commuting to the gym and whatnot and so um you know yeah i i feel like you know with me doing the jogging and what and everything and just us like really uh looking out for ourselves physically and mentally it's really a mental help i think that's really helped like when we help ourselves and help our well-being and confidence it really meshes our relationship so well and i'm really proud of us of how we've adapted to uh every situation and even if it means pushing back a wedding and even if it means pushing back us buying a house and starting a family and whatnot we will always stay maintain employees i think if we you know continue to focus on careers and uh, you know isolate to that first everything will fall in place so i'm really really proud and it's honestly compromise and how we set our uh, expectations with each other and just be open and honest with each other so i feel like with that, you know, we've always, we've never had trouble being open and honest with each other, but with us setting the expectations up front and really compromising, that's really going to carry us far in our relationship. So 2020 has taught us a lot and the maturity uh, in 2020 amounts to what 10 regularly years would be pre-pandemic. So, you know, got to look for the silver lining in all of this. Yeah, I definitely like how you said it's been a reset year for us because I think that for all of the tragic things that COVID has brought, death, unemployment, everything that it has brought, I think that for if we're looking for like any silver linings, it's definitely the fact that it's given us a moment to pause and to reflect on our current lives. We don't think about what we want next necessarily right it's hard because we have so many other conflicting priorities in our life that consume us right we have familial obligations job obligations all these different things that are like just revolving around us and it's so hard for us to focus on ourselves and when we focus on ourselves we don't want to focus on ourselves because we think it's selfish and I want everyone to get out of the mindset, right? Because I think that in order to help others long-term, we have to be selfish to a certain extent. We have to be able to build ourselves up before we can help others build themselves up. And so I think that what I've appreciated the most about COVID for our relationship and for you, babe, honestly, is that like you take away all of these distractions, you take away the commute time, you take away the frustration that you have at work, and you have all this extra space just to like reflect and to think about, oh, what actually like 
I don't have all these other things bothering me that I used to complain about. So what's next, right? Like for me, it's always been about if you don't like the environment, then change it. Like what's next? And I think for you, it's always been not necessarily like what's next, but like what am I passionate about? And I think COVID has given you that space to think about like what you're actually passionate about and actually start taking the necessary steps that you need to move towards like that next the next direction, the next, like, the podcast or, like, grad school, right? And I think that's so true for the rest of us. And I hope that we can all take this moment as a time to think about, really, who are we in this space? What do we want to contribute? And what do we need to elevate, to evolve, to get us to the next step? It's not enough to say that we're doing okay, right? Because we're all doing okay. I think that's very true. But I think the next the next question is, what can we do to be more? And I think that's what the space has given us, COVID has given us. And I think we all really need to just rejoice in it and really move on and finally answer that question for us and not be too afraid. That's amazing, maybe. Thank you for that response there. All right, we've gotten through some pretty serious questions, but let's see if you can handle the even tougher questions, babe. So, first question, what was the toughest time in your life and how did you overcome it? So I know I've been asking this question all season to some of my guests throughout the this, this entire season one, and, you know, obviously this isn't not an easy question to answer especially with how traumatic of an experience that it it could be for for many people um i i think um when you talk about toughest time in your life you know in, in in my life um you know i death never sat well with me and i i don't think it does for anyone ever like if it does that's really weird you know and so de- death is something that when I was I remember when I was a kid in third grade I was sitting in my Nanai and Tatai's house in the Philippines and it was just so weird I'm like what eight years old at the time but it was probably the first time I comprehended like we all have a limited time in this world and we're we all you know we should celebrate our lives to the fullest but it was that time where i comprehended like we're all gonna die at some point and that's so scary for me us to hear and saying with everything that's happened this year and be it you know um those of you that practice religion you know there's there's another world after death and that to look forward to but um I was crying when I when I when I that realization came into my mind and um you know and I think it's just like um uh, when I realized that it's just I was so close with my grandpa Tata growing up and he you know he 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 was such a grandpa like from like when I was bo- born as a kid you know I'm actually me and Rosemary doing this interview in the room that he you know he he pretty much stayed in when he raised me and Jeff as as you know as kids and growing up even all the way through high school he never left us until in high school and like you know he was essentially my best friend I didn't have a lot of friends growing up you know and being as you think like um 
a snob or think like you know I I know so many people I was insecure I was you know I I wasn't good at a lot of things I was you know I was the nerdy Asian kid growing up you know I wasn't good at you know I played sports wasn't good at like you know really any sports or anything you know and so like socially I felt like as an Asian growing up in a town of a lot of white and black people um you know Asian you truly are like a really uh, a minority and you're you know you're looked at as the the C side the D side the F you know the E side and the F side and so my grandpa Tatai was literally my best friend coming home like every time and so um I I I mean I when it comes to realization that people get older and whatnot and you know eventually they pass away like it it it, it, it's a scary thing to think of and that's why we all uh start to appreciate things as we get older in life especially those in our 30s and you know i i feel like um you know um just with my grandpa tata i never wanted to ever see the day that he would pass away and i and um he he had cancer in in 2006 um he went through chemotherapy he was bald he grew his hair back so he you know essentially beat cancer at that time and then i think in like 2007 or 2008 he went back to the philippines to you know uh, essentially like live the rest of his life there and like be happy where he grew up west rumble a little small town outside of neighborhood outside of makati and uh, or in makati um need to brush up my geography there but um you know um when we saw him in 2010 and we visited the philippines man like i i remember we arrived in the i was in college and you know i like we're going to philippines for three weeks i should have been more appreciative of that trip you know and like i'm over here like oh i want to go back home and play beer pong with my friends and you know blah 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 but i was so excited to see my Nana and Tatai, which is my maternal grandfather and grandmother, right? Tatai is the grandfather. Um, Nana is the grandmother, who's still alive today. And um, so Tatai being like, you know, my best friend growing up, you know, hey, he he literally was always in our basement watching NBA games, watching Wizards games, watching Kobe, you know, growing up. You know, he definitely watched our WWE with us, you know, laughed with us, taught me how to really play chess, you know, always we were arm wrestling. He always, he was pretty strong. I mean, I was a kid at that time, but he always, you know, like almost like beat us, but then let us win. You know, he's always quells the fights with me and Jeff when we're arguing in video games. Like he always told me some wisdom, some life lessons, you know, he always... You know, he shared he shared so much about, you know, James, you know, one day, you know, and or, you know, James, always take care of your brother or James, you know, like, you know, I, I know you you always need to help people or James, you know, always get, make sure you have good grades, you know, all the stuff that the grandparents say. Right. And so um, anyways, saw him in the Philippines that in 2010 like i remember he the way he looked at me he was like james and oh man i i i was losing it man i'm crying so i'm about to cry right now it's literally one of the top five moments of my entire life seeing him again right because you never know when's the last time and and after that philippines trip i remember gave him this wooden uh rosary that i bought and you know i 
you know, I, I quite frankly thought that's the last time I was going to see him. And so uh, I remember saying goodbye to him at the airport in Manila. Lo and behold, the following year in 2011, we I do end up seeing him again. But I think we knew, I think my parents and my family knew like these were going to be his last months and days because they he wanted to get treatment in America. Um, my family has a lot of diabetes and, you know, um, he... My family has a lot of diabetes. He has um, heart problems. And so um, they wanted him to get treatment here because there wasn't proper treatment in the Philippines. And so I'm in college. I'm still like trying to like seek myself. I'm just I'm, like 20 years old, going to turn 21 soon, away a lot, you know, kind of focus more on French, like friends and like, you know, being closer to family where something I probably do regret, you know, and um and so in in uh 2012 happened you know probably the worst year of my life and um so um as we get closer to uh well let's i I saw him for for thanksgiving for his birthday uh this was in late 2011 he was born in november uh, christmas great christmas and great new year's it was amazing i remember the new year's day he wore like a gray suit to church and he just looked like so happy. And like, this was like first time I actually saw him very, like there was like energy, energy rating, rating off him. And lo and behold, it was the wedding uh, is the suit that he wore to my mom's wedding. And I was just like, I didn't know that until I looked at the pictures. And so he wore it that day. And like, you know, um, for Christmas, we gave him pictures of me and Jeff when we were kids and he cried that day. And so, um, and then, and then, so I remember I was just doing my laundry at my, uh, Uncle Mike and Auntie Betty's house. They live in, uh, for those of you Woodbridge people, they live in, uh, Tackett's Mill off of 95. They're about to, you know, I'm about to go back to West Virginia and drive back up after winter break. And I just remember we were just spending some moments and some, you know, some solace with each other and just, you know, um, uh. It, it was, I just felt like something was, you know, something was happening, you know, or something's going to happen. But I was just very, like, absor- absorbing of the moments of being with, like, literally my, my, my childhood hero. And, and so, um, yeah, I really, I went back to school and, you know, um, I came back a couple of times when, uh, in February when he had to go get checked back into the hospital and and everything with that. And, um, you know, I remember we watched the NBA dunk contest that year together and we were taking selfies on an iPad and he was still smiling and he was, you know, he, 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 there was just such a bond with us. And, um, (laughs) the following month in March, well, actually, I remember the last time I saw him. He he didn't come to the restaurant with us. We went to um, it was a barbecue restaurant near uh, the Target here in Woodbridge, and I remember I was going to going back to um, school that day, driving back to West Virginia, and I I remember I stopped by the house to, 
because I wanted to say bye to him. Well, I, you know, obviously going back to school, you know, he's the last person I said bye to before going back to school. And I remember I went down to the basement of my Uncle Mike's house, and he was just laying there in the pull-out bed, and I just gave him a hug. And I'll just never forget, this is the last thing he said to me. <laughs> and we hugged each other, and I, I, I kissed him in the cheek. I said, I love you. <laughs> Hey, he said, you always take care of your brother, okay? And don't ever worry about me. Just don't worry about me. And that's literally the last thing he says. Don't worry about me. I'll be fine. You just always take care of your brother. <laughs> oh, man. I haven't thought of that moment in a long time. And I'm sitting here in the room that he <laughs> he stayed in growing up, and this is how much he's 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 meant to me. He's literally like you know, my dad was gone in the you know the military, like you know, stationed around and deployed, and you know, my tata was like a father figure to me. Gave me so much just wisdom as someone that's been here for decades, and and that's the last thing he says to me is just you need to take care of your brother. <laughs> and so, a month later, I remember, no, I'm at West Virginia, and we're all the view, and we're all having. You know, hang out with friends and whatnot, like in school. And I was, I was actually struggling at school this time too. And that was not because of that. It was because I wasn't taking things seriously. I didn't get into the business school that semester. I was having, I had a couple D's and whatnot. And um, yeah, I had a couple D's and whatnot. And it was, you know, I wasn't taking things seriously. And um, I think um. What happened in March a month later? It was I was in a, I think it was like a business finance class or investments class or, whatever. But then I get a text from Jeff or I got a call from Jeff, like going in the class and I want and I was like you know what's going on, and I it just so, it it just read so explicit in the text messages on my iPhone. It just literally I opened the text and he just said that I died, and I just. I remember just standing outside that building, and I I don't know that I don't I don't I've never experienced that feeling before, and I and I could I don't even want to imagine when I would ever experience that feeling again. But that was seriously the biggest gut punch, like biggest gut wrench to like you know you never want to see your loved ones die and that that was so so devastating didn't walk back into that classroom literally was just in deep like just tears and sadness and walking back to my apartment i ordered like i i guess i didn't have my card that time so i just ordered the first ticket megabus there's a megabus that connects us to dc from morgantown west virginia and just ordered that back home crying of course the whole time on that bus 
you know, I saw my brother posted something on Instagram that year, and Instagram was a new thing at that time. It was a long post of how he was supposed to pick up my tatai at the um, dialysis clinic, and you know, I actually I dropped him off. Well, me and my dad dropped him off at the dialysis clinic, and you know, he was taken care of, and he was in good spirits at that time. So I guess at one point, my brother was supposed to pick him up at the dialysis clinic, which is near the Boston Market over there, off of Smoketown Road. <laughs> My brother was supposed to pick him up from dialysis clinic, but when he got there, he wasn't there, and they said he was rushed to the ambulance to the hospital, and they got to the hospital. He died. <laughs> he said, my brother said he held his hand. <laughs> when he died, and my Auntie Betsy and my mom were there, and... I wish I was there, too. You know, that was definitely the saddest, saddest time of my entire life. Nothing came close. We got home. Like, I've never seen my family just so devastated. And and then I don't even want to, like, just describe everything else after that. Of course, I saw him at the, the funeral home and... I just remember after I saw him and just couldn't believe it. Like, I was just hugging my mom so hard. and I couldn't even speak at his funeral. Like, that's, they wanted me to speak at his funeral. I, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't speak at his funeral. And you know, I'm, I would be the first one to raise my hand and do that. I couldn't. And I just had to have Jeff, Maggie, and Michelle speak at his funeral. Because I couldn't do that. I think Clarice did too. And then after all that, I I remember I was actually, I don't think my mom knows this, but I purposely, like, missed the bus. Like, after the week of staying home for his funeral on the Sunday, his funeral was on the Saturday, and on the Sunday, they were going to keep him at the funeral home. You know, obviously, until they can fly his body back to the Philippines. I remember one of the things he always told me is, like, don't let them cremate my body. Because he never had a will or anything. But I remember him specifically saying that to me when we were sitting on the couch one time. And I told my mom, and they didn't do that. So, um, they were going to fly his body back to the Philippines. And so, um... I remember I purposely missed the, the, the Megabus the next day um, because um, I wanted to see him. Like, I just wanted to be like in his, like near his presence one more time. And because I don't know if I, the ones next, you know, if ever, right? And so I purposely missed the Megabus. My mom had to, she had to make a U turn, pick me up, bring me back home. And I decided to drive back in my, my car. I went back to the funeral home and literally just was there, kind of just, you know, was in my car from the funeral, empty parking lot in the funeral home and just was there. And I know he was in the building, obviously, said a prayer one more time. And and then I, I drove back to West Virginia. Three weeks later, I came back home. I rode with my 
family, I dropped them. I think I was with my Uncle Mike. We dropped off all of my grandpa's kids, including my mom, uh, Tito Lito, uh, Tito Betty. Uh, I think the baby was there. We dropped them off at the airport to fly back. I they, they, it was apparent of of course like it's these funeral costs are not cheap. They it took took a lot to fly his his casket back to the Philippines. They had a whole funeral service there. He was retired military in the Philippines, so you know they had a, a amazing service there. You know, obviously they shot the rifles in the sky, gave my nana the Filipino flag. You know, um, I saw all the picture. I wish I could have been there. Of course, you know, um, they carried him through the streets of West Rambo, and so that's you know I think uh, you know being as a grandpa in the United States. Like, uh, you know, and being being anyone immigrant in the United States, you feel like you're so, you know, I, I, I don't want to speak for anyone, but you feel like you're so, like, you don't live to that same value as you did from the country that you came from, you know, because you had, obviously, your admiration, your close, pe- pe- you know, colleagues and friends and everyone, but you, when you're far away from home, you're... Your circle's a lot smaller, right? And I think that maybe that's maybe how my Tata felt. But Tata, like, look, we're talking about you today. You know, you had such such an impact on, you know, the way I am in life, the way I, like, I'm taught to love people, the way I'm taught to, you know, uh, trust people, like, understand things and trust the process. Like, you really have instilled those values in me before those were even like commonplace values like universally and like um you know since that time like I turned 21 in May like I cried probably every other night every other night every single night every time I came back from a drinking at the bar I definitely was breaking down crying I, when I turned 21, we went to the steakhouse here in Woodbridge. I came back home, supposed to be the happiest person and whatnot. I'm over here still just losing losing it. I remember it when I cried on my 21st birthday. I I still remember. I'm actually sitting in the chair that I'm, I was crying in. That's the craziest part. Uh, from my childhood bedroom, I, I was... I just thought to myself, I looked up to God and Tata, I was like, he was, he never, up until that point, he was the only person that has never left me, has never left my, he never, never really, no argument, no, never left me, and like, you know, I was, I was just losing it, (laughs) I was losing it so hard, I went through so many different, you know, mental health cycles during that time but you know i feel like had it had um had i had lost it he would be so disappointed had i had come out of that stronger he would be so proud i turned all of those d's into c's or b's <laughs> i mean it wasn't being the best grades but it was passing grades right in west virginia if you get a d or an f it's considered a df or p you know so i turned them all into b's or c's turn it around i got into business school um you know i definitely uh became a better person uh outside that my senior year like you know i definitely you know bounced back if you will all right you know got got near on dean's list every single time um i i got so many d's and f's and i just keep rebounding every time so i feel like had i thought i let the his passing uh you know 
sent me back and sued me, he would be so disappointed. He would, he would, if we were arm wrestling, he would just break my arm off the table for being so like foolish and not being able to, you know, see through that. And so, um, I'll continue to live by your name and honor Tatai. I'll continue to, you know, um, you know, care for people and I'll continue to like you said the last thing you said to me was take care of Jeff as a brother and you know siblings you know brotherhood I remember like my graduation speech last few people I shout out was you Tata and Jeff and you know I I I just want you to know that as much as you can be proud of me I'm proud of you for being literally the best grandpa that a grandchild can ever ask for I'm just trying to find my words right now because that was just so emotional and raw and I just want to thank you so much for sharing those beautiful memories of your tatai with all of your listeners. I think what really rings home to me is just like this idea that tomorrow is not guaranteed and I think for a lot of us um, in our age group we sometimes take for granted those that are around us, our parents, our cousins, you know, all of our different relatives, because we just assume that they're always going to be around and one day they might not be. And so it just really reminds us that we need to cherish each day if we have grudges with any family members or friends, you know, we really need to swallow that pride and like reconcile and just enjoy as many moments as possible so we can have these beautiful memories. And even what you're saying about your Tatai wanting you to look after Jeff and live your best life, that's also just a reminder that because time is limited, that we can't just be in jobs or professions that we're not happy in. If we're not pursuing our passions and like what lights our soul on, on fire, then we really have to consider what it is that we're doing. Because at the end of the day, that's what we're here to do. We're here to chase our passions and we're here to love the people that are around us deeply. And I just want to thank you again for sharing that amazing story, baby. All right, babe. Next question. Have you ever felt depression? What would the person you are today tell the person you were before? So I know, of course, this question has come up again several times during the show. And, you know, I definitely like to share. Um, I mean, this is something I definitely want to get off my chest. Um, it's definitely not. Even though my grandpa's passing, as sad as it is and how devastating it was, it did not throw me into depression. Right. I was just. I was very, uh, I was very sad on multiple nights, but it wasn't like a sustained depression where I was just like sort of like kind of like hating myself. You know, I don't, I don't want to say it like that, that, but it's, but it's sort of like you know that that's where you, depression can really sink in. Like I did something wrong or I up and like damn, like what you're kind of just beating yourself up, and that that's not what happened. When 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 Tatai passed, that was just like a very very sad time, and to see a loved one pass away is just really really devastating. Um, but in terms of depression, which is just like a slow like pain, and I've never never felt that way up until twenty sixteen, or actually like maybe early twenty seventeen, late twenty sixteen, but um. I've never felt that way until like after 25 years of my life and 
So, yes, I've felt depression. And it's only one time. I would say it's only maybe maybe a little bit another time, which, you know, I uh, I probably need another episode to really dive into. But I'll go into deepest depression. And that was, that was in my first year living in L.A. And that was, you know, me and Rosemary um, were living in our new apartment and whatnot. And... I was trying to find my way. I came out here for all these high expectations and big dreams of doing, you know, acting or doing, you know, something big in L.A. and whatnot. But I was so, you know, I, I've been telling like a lot of people at Brand New say like leaving like, oh, what are you going to do? And like, well, I'm going to make sure I cast a safety net and find like a proper, you know, salary job, whatnot. And you know, I, I was getting paid so well, Brand you say, like I, my expectations for salary were way too high for a marketing job and an entry level marketing job. You're getting paid not enough to make a good, stable living in uh, LA and also be able to travel. So I settled for this, uh, this Chinese digital advertising agency. I think some of you know uh, from stories that I've shared before. But I joined them in August 2016, and you know this was I moved to LA in July 1st, 2016, and then I joined them in August 2016. Rosemary moved to LA in September 2016, and you know I'm just trying to get used to the area and whatnot. But I'm joining this weird, like you know, like it was very weird, like structure and leadership compared to like where i come from with brand usa i mean this be it's a startup and it's going to be loose processes loose structure like but i never thought the leadership would be like so like loose or just like a little bit like lack of like etiquette or you know decorum or even professionalism at the time and so um yeah it was it was like a 10 person agency and What's worse is they were pitching my my uh my old company uh Brand USA as a client to market their uh to to be to market their services in China. They wanted to promote they wanted to promote US uh as a destination to travel to for Chinese visitors and so it's just it's just like I felt like they're using me as a pawn on the chessboard but I knew that going in I was just like well, wait a minute. If we do win this pitch, I am getting a fair salary, you know. And um, if we do win this pitch, I get free flights to DC. You know, I get to learn about the marketing industry. I get to, and at a time, I was also getting denied left and right from a lot of other jobs. So it's just like you know, I didn't have a lot to pick from. So took it anyways, right? You know, we and Rosemary were going through with the applications every day. And we're like, okay, well, I'm it, it, I, maybe I started getting desperate. Anyways, let's fast forward to the the depression piece. So in December, we we literally work freaking blood, sweat, and tears four months on the pitch, five months, which is usually what it takes to work on a pitch, especially if you're a director level and above at a big agency. You're literally dedicating so much time for just a freaking one presentation day to pitch your services and win the contract for like X amount of years, right? To put a pitch like, you know, or to service like, you know, digital marketing, strategy, uh, content creation, social media, website development, yada, yada, right? 
And so we did that. And on December, I can't, December 16, 2016, or December 18th, one of those days. Great day. Get back to Brand USA. And like, you know, I. I was part of the presentation, spoke like maybe three slides or four slides and, you know, did well and and all of them, you know, they're giving high praises and like, you know, got, got saw all my old, you know, colleagues who could be family and friends at that time on that day around the office. And so that the following night was just the wildest work situation ever. So anyways, Rosemary was going to come to... DC the next week um, for a Christmas party, right? And so I was staying in DC for a little bit because obviously the pitch was like a week earlier. Um, I'm in my childhood bedroom. I wanted to dial into the postmortem to hear what they were going to say because the leadership there, like they were, I wasn't depressed while we were preparing for the pitch, like from August through December, but the leadership there made me feel very uncomfortable. They weren't because I one I, they were they're hella fake. Like they were fake to me. They definitely were trying to make me as happy as possible to just squeeze any kind of inf- confidential information out of me. And be it, I was definitely never gonna bend. Anyways, that night after the the pitch, we had the postmortem. It was the most profanity laced postmortem. Uh, you know that that this was just an unfair like lecture, like attack, you like you like cussing, like and so um, yeah, it was really really. It's not the culture I wanted to be a part of. It was very toxic, and so I guess the next week we were in San Francisco for a and Rosemary probably just like what the f- is going on? You know, we we're in San Francisco for this promotion of this little robot that looks like r2d2 and um just one of these days we uh one of those days we promoted the the sandbox and the managing director like didn't like the way the promotional picture was he just has a snarky ass attitude but like i just remember like um he he, he said something about one of the pictures it just set me off and i was just like man i don't want to work for them anymore and i just walked out. i just lost it it was actually a bunch of frustration the bottling up of how i felt you know, use and like the way, like, you know, they, um, you know, uh, carry their leadership is like, you know, just not the way I wanted to be mentored and brought up. So I was, I was definitely just like so sick of it. This is not how I ever dreamed about my LA situation and whatnot. And so, um, yeah, that day I straight up, you know, we were at the W hotel in San Francisco. I straight up walked out of the hotel room, was out my I was actually contracted through a staffing agency they were calling me to say you know to call me down and see what happened I said uh, you know I'm out I'm done with this and whatnot and and so they said the offer's still on the table are you sure and like you know they they're they're just literally begging me not to say anything to brand USA that would compromise the the pitch decision right or the you know the RFP situation which is you know <laughs> total horse right but like so I, of course, I'm like, you know, I, we had some good times and I know they're capable of providing good services, but with that kind of leadership, you know, I'm like, well, I guess maybe this is more of a me problem than like, you know, a business problem, but you know, so I'll, I'll stay out of it in that, in that sense. But, um, yeah, I, uh, it, after that, you know, I was out of it. I, I, it was prideful that I didn't want to 
talk or speak with them ever again because I didn't really want to see myself there long term. It was a very weird culture. Weird culture. I wanted to see myself as part of like you know what I felt like was more um, suitable for like you know just like a stable and you know like a, a working environment with great colleagues and not in like great leadership and people that would uplift you rather than just kind of like be have a snake like mindset and so uh i feel like had it not been rosemary living in la for that time i brought something i don't know what would have happened to me you know, I, I maybe I would have moved home. Maybe I would have drank my way out. Maybe I would have done immense amount of drugs or something, you know, or maybe I would have just been with the wrong people. And so, like, had it not been her, like, that was a very, very depressing time. After the New Year's, looking for a job. I was unemployed from January 2017 all the way to March 6, 2017. And that was just... That was just the deepest, darkest place of my entire, entire life. I remember I like, you know, just also doesn't look good in your resume to like be at a job for four months and like not have anything there uh, after that. It's like, you know, how do you explain that sort of like, you know, like end date right to to your resume and so and i didn't have like acquired skills or specialized skills in marketing and advertising so i was just getting turned down left and right and so you know i was just applying to netflix snapchat facebook you know all these ad agencies like you know it it it, it was crazy i it was it was uh, probably like four weeks i didn't even get was getting interviews i was straight up in the apartment like not doing and Rosemary was going to work. I'm over here just like on the couch applying, maybe playing some video games, but I'm just probably 80% of the time on the couch just like, it, it felt so bad. I was like crying inside of me. I wasn't crying. See, with, with Tatai passing away, I was crying on the outside. Here, I was crying on the inside. And that was just something I've never felt before. I felt, it felt like my just my whole inner being was getting sucked in. Like laying on the couch, just regretting like everything, trying to rethink what I could have done correctly. Like if you start, if you have too much time to yourself and you start rethinking and you have too much time to think and think and think what you could have done and what, what he, this and that, that's a very bad situation to be in. And so, um, yeah, it, it, it definitely felt like, you know, um, like I, I wish, like, at that time, like, I probably should have probably held uh, onto that position for that long, but things happened for a reason. Had I had not, like, I would never landed at the one of the world-class agencies, Mediacom, met some amazing people like Cam, shout-out to Cam, shout-out to Brendan, you know, shout-out shout to everyone at, at Mediacom that I had uh, struck the bond with. Um, you know, I, I felt like... Had it not been leaving for Highlink, that would not happen. And be it that I started on Mediacom on the same day my grandpa had passed away, March 6. Uh, he passed away March 6, 2012. I started Mediacom in March uh, 6, 2017. And so, um, you know, what would I, the person I am today, tell the person I was before? You know, I... I think this goes back to BJ's episode. He's like, you know, that light is going to happen, you know, uh, at the end of the tunnel. And, like, it's just like, you know, you just, you know, don't feel like it's rush. And I feel like I was rushing 
to like find a job. Obviously, there's rent to pay and whatnot. So yeah, there's an urgency there. But I felt like uh, don't let like myself get worn down uh, mentally from from all of that. And like, you know, that it's going to come like, you know, these HR people take freaking forever to go through resumes and cycle it to their the hiring managers or the teams and whatnot. So that's a process in and of itself, you know, and understand. Or maybe I could have picked up a new skill set. Maybe, you know, I could could have been done doing some Uber driving or something like that. Or maybe I could have like, you know, like done some freelancing or maybe I could have taken a class at that time. But I was just so caught up in my emotion. I was just deciding to do nothing. And I felt like had I just had a clearer mind at that time to know that everything's gonna be okay, you probably might not get the job two two months later. But maybe you can do something now uh, in the meantime. That's what I would have told myself at that time. I, I wish I was uh, more more mature to really understand that. And, you know, um, I, obviously, you know, I know what to do now if that happens again. I hope that never happens again. I hope I never have to walk out of that situation again. But, yeah, I, I think that that feeling of depression has like i don't want to say age me 10 years but it's giving me 10 years of wisdom that i otherwise never would have had had i had not moved to the city of los angeles yeah i mean even thinking back to that time that was a dark time and i it was so hard for me to try to make you feel better or say anything to take just like the pain from that toxic environment away and just like what you were experiencing but what I am going to say now that you're out of it and you know you're in such a great place now is that that took a lot of courage and I think for a lot of us when we are in a work situation or any type of situation that we don't like or that we're having issues with we sometimes just like grin like grin and bear it right because we think that it's like not too terrible I want the I want the stable pay um I have a career so like this is fine and I'm just gonna like swallow these unhappy feelings that I might be having but for you to actually name that you weren't that you were unhappy that the senior leadership um culture there was just toxic and it was really having a negative impact on your overall well-being and for you to make that decision to step away without that safety net is such like a scary step to take and I know for me you know when we moved out to LA I was like I'm not moving out there until I have a job and so for you to make that decision was just such a brave step uh, in in terms of just like changing your environment to move towards something that was that that was possibly like better and you know even though it was a few months of unemployment I think we can look back at it now and you know actually say you made the right decision who knows where you would be now if you didn't make that decision you wouldn't have all these amazing connections at Mediacom and you wouldn't be in the career that you are now. And so I think it's always just important to think about that too and not dwell too much on like, oh, what could have been. So let's keep moving on. Now let's shift gears a little bit to mental health. So have you prioritized your mental health these past couple of years or did it take the pandemic to realize the importance of this? So Answer to that directly, no, I have not. And I've that's why, you know, I've under, underscored it for so long. I never really thought it was a thing. You know, it goes back to Christian's episode where men were taught to be mischismo and show that there's nothing wrong. And, like, it's terrible mentality to have. 
it's going to consume. So I men, you know, have like the most mental health problems. I'm not going to even go further with that stat. You all can look at look it up uh, yourselves and see what the issues is with men and what actually does happen when men goes through a serious mental cycle. And I think with uh, my mental health, um, I didn't realize that until the pandemic. It really was. And like, you know, Rosemary and I were planning like full steam towards our wedding in 2019. You know, I'm over here like, you know, like trying to, you know, do uh, great work being on the Fox account with Merkel working 90 hour weeks and whatnot. And, you know, it's like, oh, like the more hard work you do, the more results you get in return. No, you got to do some smart work to get some good results in return, not more hours and hard work to get the return. Right. And Merkel does a good job of emphasizing that it's just Fox has had us in a handcuff on well, uh, you know, what we could do in terms of being smart with our hours. And so my mental health mental health slipped, you know, like it, it was it was that of you know, like um I really wasn't focused on the important things on, you know, family, my career and like, you know, my real passion, you know, like uh what I want to do outside of that. My health, like my head you know, as men my age, you should have a blood pressure of 120. Mine was at 130. I had hypertension. That's a high blood pressure. We already talked about how my family has high blood pressure and um and diabetes. And so uh gotta look out for your internal organs and you know, um and yeah, so it was just like, you know, I, and honestly, as hard as I worked, I was still complaining to Rosemary. I was never going towards my passion and what I want to do. She's probably so sick of all these stories time and time again of, uh, you know, how I'm not doing what I want to do. And, you know, like a lot of people say, you need to start, actually start, you know, and actually attack it and to, to really do what you want to do in this life from a passion standpoint you know for me i want to do be in filmmaking you know directing uh, i wanted to be in producing uh, and speak and also having that business background can help tie to that and so um i think uh once the pandemic had reset uh, and i think babe you had alluded this to earlier i feel like once the pandemic had re- reset us is it really allowed me like not having to spend time 10 hours a week in traffic like that's two one hour to work one hour back in traffic in LA like and getting that time back you know five days a week 10 hours a week to commute that's a part-time job having that time back has allowed me to tap into my creative mindset right you know there's more things I want to do with uh outside of how we bounce back from like you know a uh, entrepreneurial standpoint or like pursue a different endeavor you know or, or start something new and so you know even where that is a new film production or you know a small business or freelancing you know the, there's so many things that are spinning in my head as cam had alluded to in another episode cam has shared what he has also in his head outside of the work he does in advertising so you know um yeah i think once we're like people think that being at home feels isolating but really uh, being at home really gives the time back to yourself and really gives you really give yourself back the company that you need you know yourself was alone while you were giving so many other people time pre-pandemic now you're giving yourself company being at home 
and giving yourself more of that thought and like your mental health and knowing where to set refocus and then knowing what passion what career decisions you want to make obviously you got to do it strategically if you pay in rent and doing you know you know if you have real loyalty to your company your agency who the people that you work for your team but um just don't ever forget about your mental health i think a lot of us have already realized that i already preached it in a lot of episodes but yeah it did it did take now to realize it and i think moving forward that will be one of the top three two one things in your own individual well-being that you'll look out for so and shout out to Merkel for having a mental health pillar to really help highlight that and spotlight this um you know uh, concern to our whole agency i felt that that's also helped stem um the uh awareness uh across uh my colleagues and help bring that forth for for this show and for all, everyone else thank you babe for sharing that i definitely think it's so crucial for everyone to think about mental health if we're looking at a holistic picture of ourselves that also includes our mental well-being like where is our mind where is our body where is it in in like connection to itself and i think that's so important to ground ourselves in because it's so easy to forget or it's so easy just to like ignore and so I really appreciate that James said that it's really important for if our work is not creating that space for us through like mental health pillars and things like that we have to create that space for us I can personally say in my workspace that space is not created and so for me I know that I need to create it for myself. So I take like four minutes to meditate before I start my workday, right? Because that's what gets me calm. And I think for the rest of us, we kind of have to figure out what is that space of calmness for us before we can like come into the work and be our true selves. And so we can't forget that because I think that in order to be our whole selves, we have to recognize that piece of ourselves. So let's keep going. Babe, if there is one big piece of advice you can tell the audience, what would it be? So what I think everyone, you know, with this question that I've asked all season long to all of the guests, um, and, you know, I get bits and pieces. I learn from everyone from Austin to Christina to Christian to Cam to Gabby to Kaylu to Clarice to Olivia to BJ. What I learned from all of the guests this season it, it, it taught me a lot and it, it really, it really, I related to every one of their situations on what the advice that they had given. I've went through most, if not all of the, the, the wisdom that they, they had given. So really you guys have taught me and for, for what I think that I hope I can share to people is to simply trust yourself. You know, um, I feel like all of us start to second guess and, you know, doubt and, you know, think that the decisions that they make in their head can be wrong because there's so many outside influences like their their colleagues, their friends, especially social media, their parents, you know, but really trust yourself, you know, trust yourself when you're deciding a major. 
Trust yourself when you're deciding what line of work you want to go to. Trust yourself when you want to, you know, start a new business. Trust yourself if you want to start a new podcast. Trust yourself if you want to join join like a sports team and you were never good at that sport. You know, trust yourself at work working out and you know doing doing a new workout plan that you know you felt like oh this is outside of my physical capabilities, right? Trust yourself to start reading and like doing new things. You really need to stop listening to other people. Block out. Uh, all of the distractions block out the doubters block out every that even people you're gonna get clowned you're gonna get clowned you're gonna you know and sometimes don't be don't be sensitive to what they're saying you know honestly like some of those people aren't mean it in good faith you know just you know let go you know like uh i sucks to say this but one of my old vps on the fox count she said just get tougher skin and i'm like wow that actually kind of that kind of helps, actually. And so, you know, uh, honestly, you really block out the distractions, trust yourself, uh, allow yourself to make failure and adapt to it. You know, a lot of us are scared that if we do trust ourselves, we might fail. And that sucks. And it does suck. But I'm telling you, the lessons you learn out of failure, you're never going to get anywhere else. It will make you the strongest person. Look up all the best figures in the entire world from from Michael Jordan to George Lucas to 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 Kobe Bryant to the Obamas look up look up when they describe their times of failure and you believe it or not that's probably like what you might go through because you never even took the chance the high risk to allow yourself to fail to understand that but like that's the things that you need to go through to really make yourself the stronger person you are you're going to go through that and if not you know like you, when you start a family one day your kids might go through that failure and you're gonna have to also tackle that for them as well so you need to allow yourself to adapt to those situations adapting is what the the most important thing it, as us as humans can you know like really really like uh go through to have a sustainable future like gabby said in one of the episodes it's not about how hard you get hit and she quoted rocky balboa from rocky six when he's talking to his son on the sidewalk in philly it's not about how hard you get hit it, or it's not about how hard you hit it's about how hard you get hit and keep moving forward how much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. That is the truest life situation that you ever have to go through time and time again from your kid to your young adult to when you have a family, when you're a grandparents, you know, through work and whatnot. And take take each and every failure head on. You know, the, the this this world, like like I said, we, we have a time clock. We're not on this in this world forever. We gotta make the best of what uh, what we have on this planet together you know so take things head on don't wait you know that that opportunity is not waiting for you to take it you know so you got you got to take it head on and even if you're gonna fail and fall on your face you're gonna get up you're gonna learn you can get the next opportunity for every 10 no's that you're gonna get one of them will say yes right and so you can't you can't stop that i actually got that from uh my fiance rosemary she's kind of looking at me right now it's more of a for every 10 no's on uh job applications you get <laughs> you're gonna get one call back <laughs> so you know i kind of got that from her so 
you know, and that applies to every everything that you every opportunity that you're trying to pursue. So take, you know, trust yourself. Allow failure to make you adapt to the situations that uh, happen to you and take it head on. And I'm telling you, um, you will continue to get stronger. You will continue to get more wisdom. You will be able to adapt on the fly. Uh, you know, well, ha- you know, happiness in, in life. You know, you, um, it, it comes also with confidence, and you don't you don't get that confidence unless you go through those tough times. So, you know, you you all got this. You all you all will succeed. You all will see the happiest days of your lives. You all will honestly see that mountaintop with with your families. So just know that day is coming and never give up. Well, my part is done now. Thank you, Bay, for letting me host. This year has been a trying time. With our wedding being postponed, our job security slightly in question at the beginning of the pandemic, and so many other plans pushed back. But what we did do is bond more than ever. We drove all around this country. We brought our third baby cat, Ellie, best thing that happened this year. Mm -hmm. And your attitude and outlook has just changed so much. You can still be Mr. Grumpy Pants on some days. (laughs) But hey, there can't be good days without bad days. I'm proud of you. We really made the best of this year. And I love you with all of my heart. Thank you, babe. You're the best. I'm very proud for how we come this year as well, that our family and friends are healthy and safe, and that you and I are the happiest we've ever been in our relationship, both mentally and physically. You keep us and the cats happy at home. You are a trailblazer at work. I love that buzzword. I heard you brought it up the other way, so I had to bring it up now. You're a trailblazer at work. I hear you every day on your calls, trainings for schools, and mentoring those kids every Thursday afternoon. I hate. I know you hate me standing by the door listening to that, uh, but I really love hearing your passion through that mentorship. You have a heart of gold, and I love you so much as well. All right, everyone, we are one week away from the season finale. The surprise guest will not be revealed until next week, so stay tuned. And make sure you're getting those last-minute gifts before celebrating the holidays next week. Stay safe, everyone. Hand sanitize and wash your hands frequently. Sneeze away from the dinner table. Keep working out. I know it's colder, but living room workouts and cardio do work in help boosting your immune system from covid Vitamin C pills, emergency powder. If you got allergies like me, Claritin is the move. All right, everyone. Thanks again for listening. 2020 is almost done. That light at the end of the tunnel will come. She's my fiance, Rosemary. I'm James. See you all next week. Why is this Playing it cool to sink that easy Out of this world, but I can't Find my star, where are you? I need you, keeping me close But your heart feels so far Where is it? I need you